G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, as we do on a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Rob Norman is the State Director for the ACL, Queensland, New South Wales, responsible also with the ACT. But Rob, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always good to be with you, mate. Uh, Rob, before we get into some of the politics, let's just take a few moments and pause uh, to reflect and perhaps stand in solidarity with uh, the families because there's a tragedy overnight uh, that has been unfolding, the death of 10 people, a bus rolled over on the way back from a wedding in the Hunter Valley as others taken to hospital with injuries. There's reports that the death toll is likely to rise Uh, What were your feelings when you heard that news? Neil, these things are always absolutely devastating. They they scar the hearts of the whole nation, um, but but no less those families involved. And so, terrible, terrible thing. Uh, It's something we'll remember, obviously, uh, for a long time. Um, And our hearts go out to the families, Neil. Words don't really work at this time it's really uh we we just really lift those people up in our thoughts and prayers it's been a very long time uh, since any sort of equivalent tragedy uh, with a bus Uh, there are challenging circumstances for everyone who is involved Uh, the driver uh, who's facing scrutiny Uh, of course those who have died Uh, this is the thing isn't it rob Everyone who is affected in this sort of tragedy, they have a family. Uh, They have people who are workmates in their workplaces. They have people who are a part of clubs or churches. Uh, These these sorts of ripple effects, they affect an awful lot of people. And, of course, this has made the national news. We're all feeling heavy-hearted right now. Uh, A lot of people who are affected... I'm wondering, Rob, if I could call on you, and uh, I know you are a man of compassion when it comes to these sorts of challenging circumstances. I wonder if you would like to lead uh, our listeners in prayer for those who are affected. I'd love to do that, Neil. Uh, And that's really, really, this is often all we can do. And so, Heavenly Father, we remember that the families, we lift them up to you, Lord. We lift the families of each of these victims, and whether... The, the victims are deceased or whether they're living, Lord. This is a tragic thing. And so we pray, Father, that you would minister to each one, that Holy Spirit, you'd come and visit those families and bring comfort. We commit them to you in the, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I pray that you'd reveal yourself to people this morning, Lord, that your, uh, your kingdom and your spirit would be inclined towards them, that they'd hear your voice, Father. Please bring comfort. And, Lord, where words escape us, Lord, we just remember them. Uh, We commit to praying for them today, Lord, and just lifting them up before your throne. So we submit this to you, Father, and we know that you're a God of compassion and mercy, and we pray, Lord, for your deepest comfort in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
Amen. And yes, that encouragement for listeners. So when you're hearing news updates throughout the day, uh, take a few moments uh, to be prayerful for those who are family members, those who are close to those who've lost their lives, those who are fighting for life in hospital and asking for God's outpoured favour, mercy and blessing and uh, just his protection on them all. Hey, there's lots of big things happening politically on the agenda this week, Rob, but uh, the one that really takes the cake that has so many significant ramifications uh, comes back to what's happening in the ACT right now because the Calvary Hospital that we've been talking about for a number of weeks, well, they had an injunction to stop the takeover by the ACT government, but that injunction's been dismissed by the Supreme Court last week. How significant, how serious is this now? What's developing, do you think, in the ACT? Neil, this is very serious. We, every Australian needs to be concerned about this um, because it's a precedent-setting situation. Um, when you've got a situation where states and, and even courts, such as the Supreme Court, which is really just doing what the law says they should do, uh, but when that happens, when it happens like this, that institutions can be mandatorily taken over, uh, we should be very concerned and we should be thinking about where, where this thing stops. Now, it's not just a case of Calvary. So Calvary, of course, uh, is the best hospital in Canberra. Um, and that's that's probably without dispute. Um, but we've got this situation where the ACT government has really exercised a very non-democratic way of doing things, um, reminiscent of, of a communist takeover, if you like. Um, this is a six-term government, Neil, that has really overstepped its over its reach. Some might be thinking here, oh, well, this is just what governments do. But they've had to seek their own legislation to be able to do this, and there'd be some reasons for that because uh, people mm. and private property have been protected. Uh, how uh, really, uh, you know, how significant is it that uh, when a government moves to do what they're doing in the ACT, it means that private property is no longer sacred in that sense. Yeah, that's true. And the the speed at which they've acted, Neil, is of great concern. And, of course, they've introduced legislation that's very specific to the takeover, including the date of the takeover and the process that's all been written into it. Um, but the, another concerning thing is that there's been no process. There's just been no discussion. And so the government has stepped in. They've made a decision. Uh, the, the ball is now rolling. And really, this situation will only be resolved in, in court if it is. And there could be appeals. We don't know what that process looks like as yet. Uh, but either way, um, the government is, is not ruling out further takeovers. And so um, it's a very concerning situation. You know, sometimes you can appreciate a government stepping in when there is evidence of corruption or malpractice, uh, all sorts of things like that. Uh, but I know listeners will have heard you say Calvary Hospital is the best hospital in Canberra. And so justification for a takeover like this, some people will find this hard to swallow. Uh, it would appear that the rampant anti-life sentiments that are held by those who are in government in the ACT are pushing this. How much evidence is there that the government in the ACT is actually taking this sort of anti-life sentiment, you know, against the thought that here's a hospital that stands for Christian values 
uh, values for the unborn, values for those who are, uh, you know, at the end of their lives. How significant, what sort of evidence is there uh, that, that this is the reason why this attack and this takeover is happening? Yeah, look, it's, it's pretty hard not to join the dots when you think about it. Um, this is a hospital that has exercised conscientious objection when it comes to um, abortion on demand. They've also been very upfront about the new um, VAD laws uh, in, in the ACT. And so when you look at all those and you look at the performance of the hospital in terms of its overall care for people in Canberra, which has been exemplary, um, it's hard not to come to the conclusion. Now, I know it's largely anecdotal, Neil, but at the end of the day, these are the two big issues that the government has um, uh, has had discussion with Calvary that they're not happy, they're clearly not happy about. And so I, I think we're right to come to those conclusions. Uh, you know, it's it's reasonably obvious to me. Something that's coming to mind, no doubt, for a lot of people for the very first time. Uh, who owns these facilities like hospitals? Does the government own the hospital? Does the church own the hospital? Is there a clear-cut ownership here that you're aware of, Rob? Well, there's a lease. The hospital has a lease, Neil, and so that lease has been effectively broken. Um, so the Catholic Church, the uh, or the Catholic organisation that runs the hospital has had the lease over the property and the actual business itself. And so it's been run as a faith-based organisation um, and the intervention of the ACT government has effectively closed that lease off and shut it down. So it is a takeover in every respect of the word. As I understand it, still something like 70 years left to run on that lease. So when you do an agreement, when you do an agreement with the ACT government, uh, there's nothing watertight. Uh, they can just change their mind at the drop of a hat. That's exactly right. And so now we're looking also at um, uh, you know other organisations, and we so the question we have to ask Neil is which what's next? Any any organisation that doesn't line up with the the ACT narrative of the government is basically in danger, um, and that's a real concern to us. So not just hospitals, uh, but schools, uh, aged care facilities, are they all now in some ways at risk in the ACT and if there is some precedence in every other state around Australia? Yeah, look, definitely the Clare Holland House hospice is also has an uncertain future in uh, Canberra and the government hasn't ruled out a takeover of that either so we really we really are need to be vigilant we need to be ahead of the curve when it comes to these things and unfortunately it seems that the modus operandi of the of the ACT government is to act hastily to jump in and make the takeover and then allow the pieces to be swept up later and unfortunately that's what happens when you've got a six-term government with a, a large majority and the ACL, I know you are saying to people who live in the ACT, those Canberra residents, uh, remember this takeover when the next election rolls around because this is something clearly that is outside of what we understand as a sound democratic-run government. Uh, so what's your thoughts here for, for listeners in and around the ACT uh, around what they might do at this time? Because it seems like most people will be powerless. 
Exactly. And, and this, uh, the takeover has really put people on alert on both sides of politics. And so it's not a partisan thing. Um, people in the church concerned about it. People outside the church are looking on and uh, joining the dots, Neil. So we uh, obviously this is an election camp, an election issue now. Um, the Canberra Liberals have certainly sniffed that and they're, they're talking that up. Um, and so ACL will certainly be reminding people of the way uh, the, the Parliament has voted on this. OK, more to come on that Calvary Hospital issue in the ACT. Hey, let's touch on some of the other things that are big issues right now. The debate on the Born Alive Bill is underway and uh, you've had Wendy Francis, who's your National Chief of Politics at the ACL. You've had Michelle Pierce, who's the new Managing Director of the ACL. They're, uh, they've been addressing a Senate committee this past week. That's right. That happened on Thursday. Um, I actually watched most of it online. You can watch the live feed, of course, in Parliament. And there, there, there were some great presentations taking place before the committee. Um, our new CEO uh, acquitted herself very well. You, you know, I, I think it's almost like a baptism of fire, Neil, when you step into an organisation like the ACL and one of your first gigs is to stand before a uh, Senate committee like this. But Michelle did an outstanding job, um, and the case is very clear. I mean, the statistics are shocking on this particular thing. And so what we know is that in the time span between 2010 and 2020, there were 724 babies born in Queensland and Victoria alone um, after, after an abortion. And so those babies were left to die. And the consequences of that, of course, um, you know, are, are horrendous. They are horrendous. And I know that lots of listeners will recall uh, the bill that was introduced by the former MP, George Christensen. And there's been a number of uh, senators, Senator Matt Canavan, Alex Antic and Ralph Babette, who have taken on this challenge to uh, continue the fight for these babies. And it's interesting here because when you start to describe what happens here, you understand when babies are born in an abortion procedure and they are alive and uh, what help do we give, what pain uh, do we allay, uh, this is the challenging thing here. And and so this is a pro-life issue, but this is a humanitarian issue, isn't it? It really is. It's a humanitarian issue. We're looking at babies that are actually alive and they're as a result of a botched abortion, their future is probably not fantastic, though there are cases around the world where babies have been born after an abortion and survived and done well. Um, and so this bill really looks at the rights of those children and um, it seeks to have uh, care given to them, pain relief, uh, palliative care in cases and um, it's just not happening now, Neil. So there are some horrendous testimonies of uh, the kinds of things taking place when a baby is born as, a res as after the result of a botched abortion. Uh, let's of course, cast... these three yep. senators have been absolute champions, Neil. Um, so as you've mentioned them, Senator Babette 
Antic and Canavan have been amazingly, uh, you know, champions in the process. Yes, uh, it's good to see MPs getting in behind that. And uh, while you might have had one voice uh, with a George Christensen and uh, he came to the end of his political career, uh, and then you've got three others who are stepping up. And, uh, you know, you might hope that there'll be many more who will step up and into the breach there to uh, fight on behalf of the uh, those children born alive. Hey, uh, let's... Turn some attention to Queensland, the sex self-ID bill. Uh, Queensland Parliament uh, commencing again tomorrow, their next sitting. What's happening in Queensland right now? You've got a close eye on this. Yes, Neil, this bill has been lingering for a little while. It's been sitting on the back burner in uh, government business. And so it's number two on the uh, on government business agenda for Parliament. And so we'll probably see it come up this week. Uh, sitting first parliament sitting tomorrow and that'll go through till Friday but the bill essentially um, allows people to change their sex on the birth deaths and marriages register and that can happen every 12 months it can happen without surgery or without cross-sex hormones so essentially a person born male can become a female at the stroke of a pen and vice versa um, the consequences of that are obviously, you know, again, join the dots and see where it goes. But it's not a good. It's not a good thing. Okay, I think if you were claiming the science is in on this, I think the science falls pretty solidly, doesn't it, on the side that says you can't change uh, from male to female or from female to male. And it's not as though the parliamentarians are in the dark here, because from my understanding, they've uh, they've received all sorts of uh, very good evidence uh, that this is what the experts say. Uh, what what are your understandings about how the evidence has fallen and that the parliament is actually going to be dealing with and perhaps even ignoring the evidence from the experts? So, Neil, uh, the ACL made a submission to the committee that was looking at this and we were part of 175 at least, and that's not including um, submissions that were made anonymously, that posed the bill, and many of those were expert witnesses, so people from uh, professors from the University of Queensland, etc., who were looking, uh, have been looking at this. And you're right, the science is is dead against it. We're not looking at changing a, a social marker here, so this is not a gender issue. This is a scientific issue, so they're looking at changing the sex of the person. Um, now, obviously, the ramifications of that is that. And for instance, and this is an example, a man who changes his sex to a woman then has all the legal rights of a woman. That means they can enter women's spaces. It means uh, men could can play women's sports. Um, and obviously that's, you know, that's a very dangerous thing as well as giving a distinct advantage. And so there are many flow-ons from this. Uh, one of the other problems with it is that minors under the age of 18 can change their sex without even talking to their parents. Um, and unfortunately, Neil, it looks like this bill will go through, uh, short of a miracle. So again, I'd ask your listeners to be praying into this this week. It's a very important thing. And, you know, uh, we might lament that women are the biggest losers if a bill like this is passed. Is that the, the way you ought to look at it? Oh, they certainly are. And look, this has brought together the ACL with 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 Rad Femmes. So we've been working with people that we wouldn't normally be working with, uh, but it's united us with um, 
with uh, feminist groups, uh, and there is great concern. We've all had the same arguments, essentially, uh, but it seems like the government is going to is heading down this road, whether we like it or not. So we expect that the Labor Party, um, we know that they vote as a block. They're disciplined in that sense, so they do their business in the party room. It seems they will vote, and again, ACL will be looking at the Hansard, will be collecting statistics, and these all go towards thinking towards next year's election. Well, Rob Norman, always very valuable updates uh, from all of those in the ACL and uh, especially good update there today. Uh, Outstanding uh, way of being able to talk about some of these challenging things that are happening around the nation. Rob Norman is the State Director for the ACL for Queensland, for New South Wales and for the ACT and pointing listeners to the ACL website, acl.org.au. Uh, where you can get resources, uh, where you can keep up to date with some of those challenging things that are going on around the nation and where there are so many times ways that you can make a difference today by participating in some of their campaigns. acl.org.au. Rob Norman, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. God bless you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.